Steve, happy uh, Friday, but this is coming out Monday, Monday Minutes. Uh, you're hitting the road with the fam, which is uh, cool since, you know, you've been kind of hunting and gone. Now you got to spend some time with the fam offline. Yeah, absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. We're doing a week-long road trip kind of down to the Grand Canyon area, explore down there and load up with the two kiddos and hit the road. Looking forward yeah, to that's it. That's cool. We had questions uh from our recent elk hunt that we talked about so we'll just pretty much hit on those on this monday minute because it's timely and relevant but uh just always want to throw out there if you have other questions not about our elk hunt can be about anything send those to us at podcasts at exomontgear.com we'll get those on a future monday minute but um one of the questions we had on the elk hunts what boots did you wear <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah so we uh I don't, there must've been, we went to take a picture in camp and again, we were so busy, we were terrible at it, but we probably had 10 pairs of boots in camp between you, Tyler and I, and we all happened to wear the same size. So it was literally like pick of the litter on whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. I brought, you brought, you brought your Krispies. Krispies and Solomon's. Yeah. Krispies and Solomon's. Tyler. Tyler's been wearing, um, I can't, it's a, it's a Hanvog boot that they just came out with. And I, he, I know he had it on the sheep hunt. Um, he was kind of still breaking them in on the sheep hunt. So he had a little like tiny bit of trouble with it as far as like hot spots go. Um, but then the more he's used them since then, he's, he's really, really liking them. Um, I wish I knew that. I'll try to Google the name of it. Um, and then, yeah, I had the two that I was most interested in are, the Hanvog Alverstones. Um, so I, I've been, um, got a pair of those and uh, was wearing them around town, did some hikes. They, they had some serious promise for me as far as what I've been looking for in a boot, something that's still flexible, something that's going to give me ankle support. Um, as as uh, I got to take you out chucker hunting for about a two hour hunt uh, before we left town and, and you got to experience kind of like understand why um, I'm that chucker hunting kind of inspired me to start looking for a boot that I could at least find. That's quasi comfortable, yeah, you know, side um, nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Side hilling frozen ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you got to keep your eyes up looking for birds. It's just way different to me than, than big game hunting. Um, uh, and then what else do we have? Oh, there's a new one completely random. I had never, ever heard of them. Um, but it's, it's, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's a K U. So it's Aku. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Just literally at like one of those, like couldn't sleep at 1am searching the interwebs, uh, and found, uh, found them and, and they had a, like read the about us. And it's like, ah, oh, that seems like they're interested in making a quality boot. Um, just, you know, how they, how they, you can just see how they communicate on the website, right. That it's they're not trying to hide things and, um, yeah, it ordered a pair just to like, oh, let's get them, check them out. If they don't look good, I, you know, I'll just send them right back. Um, and they look pretty good. And so I've, I got those. It's called their, oh man, I can't remember. Uh, Tengu, T E N G U Light. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Um, and um, man, I was impressed with it. I need a, uh, I wore it for your hunt. Um, and uh you know put some miles on it basically a brand new pair of boots that only had a few days in town and I, my feet kind of were tired and then i was honestly like they didn't feel fantastic but they didn't feel bad either and then when we went to pack your pack your bowl out 
I had much, uh, I didn't have very high expectations. Like, ah, my feet kind of tired and this is probably going to suck. Slap, you know, throwing a hundred pound pack on and hiking out of here. And honestly, my feet felt great for that whole pack out. So they got some serious promise. I just want to play with the insoles and in I'm trying to swap it out for something that gives me a little bit more cushion. And then, yeah, you, uh, you were eyeballing my, those, those Hanvog Galverstones and, um, took them for a spin. So what did you think? Yeah, I took them for a spin slash ruined any chance you had at using them for the week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took, the, you know, we packed in the, the night before the hunt and um, I knew that initial pack in, like we were here in camp, but it was light. And then the terrain for that first portion was relatively easy. I'm like, ah, this will be a good way to test boots, you know, like never seen these before never tried them obviously you would have some hesitation if you were going to do a a ton of crazy um pursuit in them but i was like yeah it's an easy hike i'll try them so did that um wore them in and like my initial impressions were they felt fantastic really comfortable um i will i I remember telling you yeah my feet are like a little tired like i'd like to try these boots but with my insoles type thing um but had good first impressions with them on that night we packed in. And then the next day we ended up going deeper and deeper and deeper and, you know, did a bunch of descent and then crossed the Creek and then ascent and then killed my bowl. And then, so there we are. Um, the boots had felt great for that whole time. And, uh, then here we go. Brand new boots I've never worn and going to pack out a bowl. And then also as we had chatted when we, um, came across the creek when packing out my bowl i just went full send with the gators and the gators didn't keep up i stepped in some holes for sure (laughs) so the boots not only got wet but literally had like standing water in them no fault of the boots um, but just water went over my gators and i could feel it rushing down my legs they did the boots did stay dry on the initial crossing so um yeah there i am soaking wet standing water in my boots with a hundred ish pound pack and miles to go and i thought well this is going to be a good test and uh they felt phenomenal i mean i obviously had wet feet but you know that whole day the night prior um doing both easy terrain as well as descent and climbing and then now heavy packs for uh quite a few miles with them and then with them being wet even they felt great, but they were legit so wet that days later, um, we were still trying to get them to dry out. I kind of felt bad because you wanted to run them on that hunt. And there was like zero chance that that was going to happen. Yeah, I was shocked how long they took to dry out. I mean, we packed your bowl out um, Thursday night, obviously. And by the time we got home on, we didn't make any serious attempt to dry them out other than they were just kind of like, I had hauled up a little cargo trailer uh, so they're kind of in a dry environment. We also like, there was one day, um, well, the day that we went to on Saturday, we went to back to get the rest of your meat. I left them out kind of sitting in the sun. It was a dry, sunny day. And literally we got home, uh, and by Sunday night, I had put them over the heaters, uh, and the floorboards of my house because they were still freaking wet on the inside. And it was, I was shocked. Yeah. So that's one of the downsides to the more leather, leather head of your boots is like the synthetic ones that I had leaking on me from Loa up on the sheep hunt, even soaking wet, you just start hiking. And a few hours later, they kind of get to the point where, um, you could put a dry sock on and not really know you had a wet boot. And that just definitely not happened with that style yeah. of boot. 
Yeah, and it's it's yeah. worth saying, like, again, it wasn't just that the boots leaked and got wet. I just flat out went underwater with right, them, yeah. and they were legit yeah. standing water. But those, I know you feel the same way, but those boots have a ton of potential. Um, I'm yeah. definitely something I'm going to try for sure. Um, just that right combination of something a little beefier than the light boots we tend to wear, but not, you know, too cumbersome, not too heavy, not too stiff. Um, yeah, they're just, they're pretty money. And then I had tried another random pair of Hanbogs you had. You can tell me the model cause I honestly don't know, but I would just say in general, I had zero before this, um, trip, I had zero experience with Hanbog boots and, you know, you can go back to like our podcast with Technica, for example, and they, we talk about the anatomy of a boot and the a boot's last, um, kind of like the shape, the the base shape slash structure of how that brand forms boots. Um, and obviously small sample size here, but the two boots I've tried, um, I think I like the Hanva glass. Like there's a lot of potential in how that, those boots seem to fit my foot. So I'm excited to explore it further. Let's see, Steve, what else we got? We had more questions on this elk hunt. Um, did you guys notice a change in elk behavior once you got a few days into rifle season and the elk had been pressured by hunters and or had just been hearing shots in the area? Um, I don't know. We have, I guess, probably limited experience, but some thoughts yeah, there on that well, one? Well, what we did see was... Um, obviously we, you know, we're tagged out by the afternoon of day two. So it happened really quick. What you and I both saw on Saturday, when we went to pack your bowl out, we had, we had parked along this Ridge and it's pretty easy hiking for three and a half miles out the Ridge. Um, and on the way in, we were both surprised that we didn't see that much elk sign. Um, you know, it was just like, man, this should be really on good. Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On Wednesday night. Yeah. We didn't see much elk sign on that Ridge. Um, and it just looked good. You know, it wasn't, we, we weren't planning on hunting there. We kind of had the des destination to get to out at the end of the ridge. Um, but we were, I was just kind of, gosh, I don't know. This, this isn't looking very good. And then all of a sudden we started seeing sign like crazy to at the very end of it. What happened on Saturdays when we went back through, there was elk tracks everywhere. Uh, oh, just crisscrossing that ridge, literally going left, going right. Like well, walking down the ridge. Herds, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it looked like four or five different herds spread out over that three miles had just been kind of in there and it's, it's more cover and timber in there. Um, and so, yeah, my immediate default was, wow. Like they've definitely, this went from on Wednesday to be like, well, I'm not, there's no point in hunting in here. Let's just get through this country. We're just not seeing animals to Holy cow. Like you could, if you just slow down right now and took your time, you're going to pick up an elk. Mm -hmm. So the, I would say for sure that's gunshots going off and traffic on the, on the main road and, and elk getting pushed around. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we didn't, we did talk about, I remember saying like, like I, I would imagine cause the, you know, the day we killed your bull, we had those two bulls, your bull and the other one screaming at each other and bugling. And, uh, you know, the cows are all herded up and they're rutting. And I had made the comment at one point, cause you could kind of the further West you went of us, uh, in that direction, uh, there's, it just gets more and more roadless. There's, there's just not a lot of roads back there. And I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? I wonder if the bulls on the other side of that ridge, mm -hmm. like, will ever even hear a gunshot because it's remote. You know, like, there's a really good chance. I mean, I'm sure a few horseback people get in that country or whatever, but it's a really good chance the bulls on that side, like, never run into hunters, yeah. you know? 
Um, so I was like, God, I bet they're screaming as late as they want to scream, probably till the end of the month. Right. Um, yeah. I yeah, know. I mean, when, where we killed my bull, we were already somewhere around six-ish miles from the truck, but up and over the main ridge, um, you know, beyond where we were with my bull, it's like this pocket of no man's land. Like you look at Onyx, you look at Access, and the way the terrain's laid out, um, I mean, it, yeah, it's no man's land back there. And I remember having that, yeah, discussion with you of like, because, you know, we're, we we didn't spend as much time in the field hunting. We were either packing meat or what have you the, the later couple days of the trip. But still, you know, we weren't hearing um, anything. Even when we were out and about in a little bit and being quiet, we weren't on bugling bulls or hearing anything in the distance. But as you just said, like, just one of those things you just got to keep that in mind like just because you're not hearing or seeing something here literally just one ridge over uh it could be a whole different story but i mean there's no doubt in my mind that going even going into the hunt i wanted to strike early um especially if we're on elk that we're talking uh i just knew that you know day four five of the hunt is most likely going to be a vastly different experience than day one or two of the hunt uh, based on pressure and activity and all that yeah and that's that's the case in bow hunting too like i think i remember for years it's like very important for me to get out opening day because it's like a get a great chance to to call in an elk right away it's cold calling and uh, and it seemed like the the more pressure they got and the more they got herded up that that it gets tougher so uh, and I think that still kind of holds true to some extent. Yeah. yeah, there was kind of on that point a little bit. There was a question I got, an email I got. Um, it was kind of like long in uh, that, so I'll just like pull out highlights. But the the big story was this guy was questioning, did I regret shooting my bull? Because he said it sounded like Steve had mentioned seeing a monster bull um, in the area, which I think he was talking probably about that big bull that was pushing the cows we saw across the river, which we did trail. Uh, from I, I'm maybe thinking referring to uh, last year um, when I did see some, yeah, 350 plus bull in that exact oh, spot. Yeah. So he mentioned that. And then he was just basically asking, um, do you regret shooting the bull that I did versus knowing there was other elk in the area? Basically, did I only shoot my bull because we knew we had to get back and meet a buddy, blah, 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 blah. In hindsight, uh, do you wish you would have not shot your bull so that the hunt could have lasted longer? So he had like multiple questions, basically. But um, yeah, going back to what I said, as soon as I saw what I saw of my bull, because I didn't see the whole picture, but as soon as I saw um, him walking below us and um, just kind of saw his frame, I was, like I said, it was game on to me. Zero regrets shooting him. Um, I mean, it's definitely one of those bulls. He was, you know, a six by chick, six by six, big body, mature bull. If, you know, you're one of those guys who's super into like trophy or score, you could be disappointed because he's like his one G twos busted off at the beam. His one tine is busted in half. Like, um, score wise, he's, you know, whatever you're losing out there. If you care about a number, I just don't. Um, and then I don't, you know, we had, I think at the end of the podcast talked a little bit about, man, that was kind of like too fast. Like I wish it would have lasted longer. Um, which, you know, is like a good quote unquote problem to have, but going back to what we were just talking about, I wanted to strike early in this hunt. I didn't want to a be selfish and extend out, um, making this hunt about me, which we talked about in the previous podcast. And then I also, 
wanted um, if we were on good activity to capitalize and take advantage of it early because I knew that that could change. So just because we were on, you know, two different herds with two different herd bulls screaming their heads off on day one doesn't mean that uh, on day two or three or four or five, they were going to be in the same area or acting the same way, um, especially with what we talked about with the pressure. So, um, yeah, multiple questions there, but I have zero regrets. Yeah, I mean, it's a, like, honestly, you want you want both, right? You want to be successful, but and it's always somewhat of a bummer when hunts go quick. Right? Yeah, I've, you know, had that happen multiple times where it's like, ah, I, you know, I had this whole week slated to to go hunt and be in the mountains and enjoy this, and it's um you know it's it's tough for sure when things you know it's a great problem to have uh when things go too fast and you're tagged out so um you know frankly we had intended uh, you had a bear tag and we had, had intended to kind of stay up there longer um but we were you know i was personally really beat up from packing out that elk and and like well we'll go home rest up for a couple of days and then you kind of get back home and you know we got some work done and did some other things and and then it's like well it's probably time to get back home to the wife for you the wife and kids and so yeah, it's uh, it went fast for sure, yeah. but they don't know how you regret being successful. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. obviously the end goal that you want. You know, you want it to be a good movie, right? There's yeah, you start out and you got some action, and then you got some drama, and and then at the end you're successful. And it, you know, when it just goes straight to being successful, uh, it's not quite the same story. Yeah. I mean, I had as much action in the first six hours of our first day of hunting as I did in six days of hunting in Colorado in September. So I've, I've been on both sides. Of the <laughs> like, gosh, we're the right. freaking elk. And I just wish I could get on a bugling bull and I wish I could see some. And like, I mean, seriously, it was like hot and heavy fast. Like, you know, I'm not going to complain by any means. Um, uh, one quick final question. Uh, Simone wrote in said, Mark mentioned flying home with his antlers, but how did he get the meat home? Uh, the short answer is I didn't yet. Um, we left it, uh, in Idaho there with you, Steve, and at a processor. Um, we are, we've looked at, uh, a couple different options for getting that home and it looks like, and this is totally different. We've talked about before, like last year, for example, flying from Alaska, um, both our caribou hunts as well as our Kodiak hunt and just flying home with meat, which is doable um for sure and especially with alaska airlines they make it easier um than some of the lower 48 specific stuff um delta was not super friendly on their baggage policies like the the more bags or items you check the more the price goes up for each one whereas like alaska they basically keep it at like a flat 50 dollars a box um but long story short what we're looking at doing, haven't done it yet, we can report back to make sure it works as we think it's going to work, is Alaska Airlines uh, basically has an air cargo service. Um, so you basically piggyback on commercial Alaska Airlines flights, you know, going from Boise to St. Louis in this case, that are just passenger flights. And you can essentially book and ship cargo, you know, just goes in the underbelly, essentially light to check baggage um and get it on that flight so the meat's getting processed um it'll be packaged frozen ready to go steve you'll drop it off at the boise airport um i will pick it up at the st louis airport it will be flying via alaska airlines uh air cargo they do have a tool online to uh, get a cost estimate and so i just threw in some rough numbers of like 
you know, three boxes with these dimensions and this much weight and just kind of did a conservative estimate. And it looks like that's going to cost 130 ish dollars essentially to do that. So yeah, it's a different scenario because a lot of times if a guy flies for hunts, you know, he's say he's going from Missouri to Idaho. Uh, I have you as my sugar daddy <laughs> taking care of things in Idaho, Steve, <laughs> like it's it makes it easy. But like, if you're just legit going from, home to a hunt and flying right back from the hunt to home and you don't have someone you know at that destination like you are steve to kind of drop things off it's it's just kind of a more unique scenario than probably most guys would deal with yeah yeah and so i remember we did alaska air cargo to get my moose meat home uh for my first alaska hunt back in 2014 i think uh 14 or 15 and um and it was like yeah 400 bucks or something so i was like i'll bet i bet we could do that mark and probably be a couple hundred and you pulled up the quote for 130 i was like that's that's freaking affordable i mean we could like we could buy some lightweight coolers and like fedex two day it to you for you know it's going to fill up a couple two or three coolers for sure uh but i I think that's going to be more expensive um than than doing that alaska Air yeah Parker. so we'll see we'll um make sure that that's the case and report back on how it goes when we actually cross that bridge but that was uh yeah that quote was like for i did four 50 pound boxes so like 200 pounds of meat just to throw out a number um and it, it was basically what it was looking like so we'll definitely report back on that uh, that's a wrap on the questions for today we got uh work to get running to here steve um so yeah, again, guys, if you have any questions uh, at any time, just shoot us that email to podcast at xmountaingear.com and we'll tackle those on a future Monday Minute. Steve, enjoy your time with the fam. Yeah, I will, man. It's, uh, it's a precious moments when the kids are this little. I know you can speak to how fast it probably goes sure. by. So 